On this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Pinch me, I'm dreaming. New tools and features for Pinterest advertisers. Hotels now stay free on Google. Greg starts preparing to play hide-and-seek with Target ROAS and Target CPA. We answer some burning economic questions. And you can undo your tweets in a new test, but you might lose out on 2.5 mil. I try to start drama with Jess, but that's not the only beef we cover. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. A proud part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios, located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Mark Saltarelli. And I'm Jess Budd. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on March 12th, 2021. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news show on YouTube or your favorite podcast player each and every Friday morning. All your digital marketing news from the week. Powered by the digital marketing community. And if you want to join in the conversation, and please do, just hit us up. We are at Marketing O'Clock everywhere. So what's up with you all this past week? Anything fun? Anything funny? I have something fun and funny. It's not really about me, but my... It's dear- always about you, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. It should be. Starting off with shots fired. It's going to make a The show. world does revolve around me. Okay. Um, my dear friend and my roommate's boyfriend started a satire account for Lent um, as like something to entertain him during the pandemic while we can't do anything. And he created an Instagram account called Lent Lentils, where he posts pictures (laughs) of like lentil based meals. And he's like usually not actually eating these every day. And he like followed a bunch of people and it's mostly our friends that followed it. But his post from the other day actually got like responses, one from a lentils brand and one from an influencer. But the captions he put on these are crazy. Um, Day 20 of Lent Lentils. I absolutely cannot believe Lent is already halfway over. Hope everyone has been getting their fair share of lentils in this season. I'll skip to the part that makes it insane that they responded. So he says, this is not for beginners. <laughs> An advanced recipe. This lentil recipe is not for beginners. Not for beginners. He explains how this isn't for beginners and says, so my solution to this was to go out and purchase a second microwave from at Target. I cooked both pouches in separate circuits, so not to blow what a fuse. What is happening? Who's is so this unless the you have the luxury of two microwaves and countertop outlets on separate circuits, I recommend you leave this daring dish to the professionals. All right, so I guess if you're Birdman, you can make this recipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Tasty Bite responded, "Is there even such thing as too much lentils? I don't think so." <laughs> I, I, I they clearly didn't read the caption. <laughs> I probably have fifty pounds of lentils. In my house. Oh my if your gosh. roommate wants some. I yeah, know. I'm sure. You should follow. I should. Yeah. <laughs> some cool I don't eat lentils anymore. I just have my house. Jess, what's happening with you? Uh, my child, he's almost 18 months old and he's learning words now. So, or he has been for a while, but he's like starting to just use them on his own. Like we had a really big breakthrough this week where I handed him something that he wanted and unprompted he said, thank 
fuck you. And it was like super sweet, super endearing. But he's also learning no. And I had my first like parent heartbreak moment where I got home from work and he like came running up to the door and I was like, hi, give mommy a hug. And he goes, no, and just ran in the other direction. Oh, so my. I like peaks <sighs> and valleys with parenting for me this week. <laughs> I, 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 where's the peak? Where's the peak with any of this? The thank you is great. Right. Unprompted said thank you. Very polite. Very <laughs> so. My kids, uh, they're six year old, six years old, and they make the absolute world's stupidest games. And it's they like entertain themselves. We make them entertain themselves. And so one game they'll do is like name a baseball team, go. And you have to like they'll have to name like five baseball teams quick, and then they're like name a basketball team, go. And so they're sitting down. And I was making dinner, and they're doing it back and forth with all these different categories. And then the boy goes to the girl, go. Name a woodchuck. Go. <laughs> what? You know, what woodchuck? I've never heard of a name of a woodchuck in my life. That's a groundhog. Oh, okay. Are they not the same? I don't know, but he doesn't know Pox Tommy Phil, and he doesn't know a name of woodchuck, and that's ridiculous. And so, um, you should have them see if they can name different um, lentil-based meals. All right. What's going on in the news, Jess? All right, first up in the main news this week from social media today's very own Andrew Hutchinson, who we love, Pinterest announces new marketing tools, including Pinterest Premier video ads. So revealed at the Pinterest Presents Summit, the platform has several new tools to provide more insights and opportunities for advertisers, which we love to see. So the first, as noted in the article title, is Pinterest Premier which is a new ad format that allows advertisers to purchase exclusive video placements in the home feed for a specific demographic interest or category as far as targeting goes, which seems like a really great way to get people's attention. I absolutely love this, but it also sounds really expensive, probably worth it for some. But I mean, if assuming that you have the money, I don't see the downside. You guys into that? I mean, it's cool. It's a big takeover element yeah. of it. Yeah. But- I don't know. I, I honestly, candidly, don't use Pinterest enough to know if people mm-hmm. really dig video content on there. When I think about it, I don't think necessarily, but I know Caleb and Mark probably use more than I do uh, Pinterest. What, what do you think, Mark? I haven't used Pinterest in a while, but I think it's cool. I don't know if it's going to be like kind of like those YouTube masthead ads that you hate um, on the Pinterest home feed. Masthead, right? Masthead. I said Maystad. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Caleb, I think you're the, the biggest Pinterest user. What do you think about this change? I don't really use Pinterest for, like, I don't associate it with video in my head. Like, I think of going there when I need ideas for stuff or when I'm trying to find a good haircut or stuff of that nature. I don't think I'm going to open up Pinterest and see a video ad or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. yeah, but what if it was a video of someone like getting the haircut? I think you could get creative. It's just like you can't just put a video in there. You have to think about why someone would go to Pinterest, like that example, and see if you can come up with video content that speaks to that. And it's also worth doing an ad for. Yeah, and you're not taking over all of Pinterest, to be clear. You're still able to target the way that you would with other ads. Mm. So you're able to put that in front of somebody like Caleb who needs a haircut. <laughs> yeah, and while we think this way, I, I believe the article had some stats saying that mm-hmm. we might not be like the rest of the actual audience that uses it. 
um, regularly. What, what was what was that, Jess? Yeah, so that was in there. They did say that um, video content had a big rise in 2020 on Pinterest, which I think all content had a big rise in 2020 because people were on their couches. But they did say that the platform now facilitates close to a billion video views every day and that Pinterest users are 2.6 times more likely to make a purchase after viewing brand video content on the platform. So again, you got to do it right. It's got to be a good video and you got to be hitting your target audience, but it seems mm-hmm. like it could be really, really powerful. And just having that ad placement when you open the app and just see that there, again, if you're in front of the right eyeballs, probably expensive, but probably worth it. Yeah. So I think there's some cool, easy stuff you could do, even if it's just like less of a video, more of like a gift style where mm. it's just different views of the same product, but it's more eye catching and you don't have to click open the pin to see all those different views of the product. Um, there's definitely some cool stuff you can do with this, but yeah, like you said, make sure the video is actually tailored to print Pinterest. Don't just take your normal marketing video and plug it in here. Um, another update that they announced is the new and improved trends tool. So they already had a trends tool, but this is better. More context, more visual examples, as well as very easily highlighting broader usage trends like this one from the article, which blew my mind. Usage among Gen Z and male pinners has increased 40% over the past year. So How did guys, that blow your mind, bud? I, I don't know. I feel like... Do you know what happened over the past year? Nobody said, was allowed to go anywhere. I know, but you all Nobody could do anything. You couldn't be around another person. <laughs> How do you think people wouldn't use it more? And so you opened Pinterest? No. Like when you, well, see, but if I did, I'd use it 40% more. Exactly. I'd use it 2,000% more. <laughs> I can't leave the house. All right, fair. And lastly, Pinterest is also rolling out updates to their conversion insights tool with a new format that will help advertisers dig deeper into cross-channel impact as well as downstream conversions. So all of these updates are really focused on new tools for advertisers and new ad formats. So they really care about the advertisers, which I love. We already loved Pinterest, even though I feel like we don't talk about it enough, but we don't have any hate for it. And now we know that it loves us back. We don't have any hate for anybody. Just in time for Valentine's Day. You're lying. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you, you love Facebook? Facebook loves small business. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> well, I have a development to share from the Google Ads developers <laughs> blog. The latest release of the Google Ads API added support for maximized conversions and maximize conversion value bid strategies in search campaigns, which like, okay. Great, but there was a little sneaky bit included here where there's a new read-only maximize conversions dot target underscore CPA fields and maximize conversion value dot target underscore ROAS fields. Previously in this API, there was only just regular target ROAS and target CPA. This other variant didn't exist before and it's something new. And what this is kind of indicating to us is that these new bid strategies um, aren't really new bid strategies. It's just kind of a renaming and repackaging of target CPA and target ROAS as they currently are. So it looks like in the near future, um, we should expect um, them to make this change. Google's claiming it's because of simplification. Um, but I think the big major takeaways to think about this. So A, um, maximize conversions and maximize conversion value are staying as they are. There's nothing really changing with Thank those God. two. Don't worry about that. Okay. Um, target CPA and target ROAS functionality 
will stay the same. So this is more of a naming or like way to find this change. I don't like this. They will stay the same. I don't like this at all. You don't like anything. <laughs> How dare you? He likes everything. He just said it. <laughs> um, and then in that same vein, target CPA and target ROAS bid strategies will still be accessible to advertisers, but um, the settings will be different. It's now like an optional subsetting of maximize conversions and maximize conversion value. So kind of think when you do like manual CPC, then you click like optimize for conversion value or optimize for conversions. It'd be something very similar where you do like maximize conversions, then set a target CPA underneath it. Um, and then we'll start seeing this possibly in the Google Ads UI starting in April, rolling out slow um, there. So why do you hate it, Greg? I, I hate it because I think you use the verb Googling it up with the naming conventions. And in my opinion, maximize conversions and maximize conversion value is a very specific tactic. And to include that with something that is completely like diametrically opposed to the way that maximize conversions work, where if you've got something like target CPA, that's something that can scale. That's something you can change the budget of from $1,000 to $10,000 a day spend, and you'll roughly get the same results. They'll just scale, right? If you have something like maximize conversions and you change that, it is going to be a massive fluctuation and huge discrepancy like you've never seen before in your life. And so to put those two together and say this is target CPA and it's maximized conversions, I just think it is confusing. And we don't need more confusion in Google Ads. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this yeah. does not simplify it is not. It, it is not. Target CPA is it. easy to understand. Yep. I would like a conversion at this price. Saying that now you're going into maximize conversions and I'm going to assign a target CPA here. It just, if somebody might not hit put the CPA in, you might go target conversions. It's just not easier. It's just mm -hmm. not an easier yeah. approach. I, I agree with you to a point. I, I did not have these same kind of thoughts that you had. I definitely agree that like if someone who already uses Google Ads, this is more confusing. But I think for someone who's new, it's like less overwhelming with like how many bid strategies you have. There's only going to be a handful of bid strategies now. And I, I was thinking of it more along the lines of, okay, like you have maximized conversions. That's going to get you as many conversions as you have for your budget but then saying like a target cpa is kind of like setting a fence for that saying like i want you to get as many conversions as possible but they need to be at this cost so i feel like from that perspective it's like a modification of maximized conversions it's where in that perspective and i i can understand it from them being like target cpa and target roas are kind of like fences or like guidance for maximize conversions and maximize conversion value because either way you're trying to maximize your conversions and you're trying to maximize your conversion value and i i see your point and i agree to that point i still think that it is dangerous to have something be so wild where it actually bids completely different and mm -hmm. if 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 and i will i will say it's actually a good change and it'd be completely on that side of it if you have to say, no, I don't care 
about a target CPA. And if you say, no, I don't care about a target CPA, then it's it's totally fine to me. If it's hidden somewhere and you ha- you yes. have to un- unclick and you accordion down to get to that specific target CPA, then I think it's a problem. But mm-hmm. if you have to say, no, I don't care what the CPA is and you have to go and like check that, then I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think that's going to be the case. And it's maybe because sometimes I'm a little bit too cynical. Yeah. And I guess we'll see in April when this starts rolling out to the UI how exactly they decide to package it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, my like kind of bad thought on this was like, okay, they're packaging these together. My bad thought was, what if they do this with like get rid of ECPC and this is how maximize clicks is? How dare you? That was my <laughs> don't thought. give them ideas. <laughs> that was my bad thought when I read mm. this. <laughs> no more bad thoughts. <laughs> Craig, do you have any good thoughts for us? Yes, I actually do. Google is now making hotel booking links in search free. So the hotels used to work like flights and before that shopping where it was pay to play. If you wanted to be in Google Shopping uh, roughly a year and a half ago now, like seems like a long time, I guess, um, Google opened up shopping and you could be there organically. Then they did it with flights and now it's hotels. And from Google, they say, we're improving this experience by making it free for hotels and travel companies around the world to appear in hotel booking links beginning this week on google.com forward slash travel. So it is opening up and I love that. Um, However, this article comes from Roger Monti over at Search Engine Journal, Martini Buster. And he (laughs) had this quote. He just said, there's one section in there where it's like, Google under antitrust investigation. Google's stated goals for the free booking links is to provide more options to users, but the move to provide free booking links might be related to antitrust issues that Google is currently facing. I don't think that's the case. I personally have used shopping more when everything's included. It's a better experience. I don't want to just shop through ads. And I think people see that too. Like, do you like what are your thoughts no i honestly really like this because back a while ago i was using google flights and i was like oh this is great because it just pulls everything in i have to go to each airline and then i realized that southwest wasn't pulling in and those are going to be like pretty cheap but like still like reasonable comfortability where it's like i can get a deal without going on like spirit or frontier (laughs) (laughs) you know and those weren't pulling in it was only like JetBlue and delta and united and spirit and like it makes sense like though that's why because southwest wasn't paying for it exactly um so I love this. It's a much better user experience. And I think, like you said, it's more, much more of them improving the usability of their product and actually making something useful like they did with shopping. Yeah. And it's almost like Google took a page from the book of Google search, right? <laughs> like it's like people use it because it's got everything and it's the best. Yeah. And people wouldn't use Google wouldn't be a verb or a noun. Oh, I guess it would be a noun because it's still be a company. <laughs> but it, it wouldn't be a verb if people it, like if it wasn't the best search engine. And good, make the best shopping, make the best travel search, make the best hotel search. I'm all for it. And then they finally said, over time, we'll continue building this open platform so that all partners will have even more opportunities to highlight their information and help people book a flight, find a place to stay, or explore a new destination. So I dig it. I mean, would it just been nice, maybe? 
eh, six months ago when hotels were really hurting. But yeah, hey. no one was searching now. Right? Uh, that's true. Yeah, true. This is this is just in time for the holidays. This is people are starting to to plan trips like you. Just in time for the summer holiday season. Yeah, exactly. Christmas in July. Now it's time for this week's take of the week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. And this week's take of the week comes from Kyle Munson at Kyle W. Munson on Twitter. And Kyle says, I'm planning to open a restaurant called Close Variance. We plan to get your order mostly right each time. If you have any dietary needs, please know that we only reveal some of our ingredients and only if those ingredients have been ordered by a significant number of customers. That seems like they serve some spicy food there. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for this week's I See Why Am I. This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something that you overlooked? But you shouldn't have I See Why Am I people from John Mueller at John Mew on Twitter. That's M-U. Unplanned outages are stressful enough. Here's how to win a bit of time. If your site is completely down, serve 503 for all requests ASAP. You can show a user-friendly page too. If your host is down, point your DNS to a temporary host that just serves 503. Serving 503 to all requests gives you a day or two before search starts dropping URLs. More at Google. He gives a link in his tweet for various articles and blog posts to help you out. And it says 503 first, then breathe deep and find something that works for your site. I'd also go for a run and eat chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> like, great move. Like, really giving yourself the time to, like, figure out what the actual solution is. This is great to buy you two days of time to figure out what you need to do. Yeah, I might I, run to your server room, though. Like, when you're taking that run, just yeah. head on over to the data center. Yeah, bring mm-hmm. the chocolate with you. Be yeah. solving problems. Don't ignore them. Mm-hmm. Take time to think. Take shower, shower thoughts. Yes, and then he finishes out that thread after the shower thoughts. Um, <laughs> and, it ta- and if it takes longer, we'll start dropping URLs from our index that's pretty much impossible to avoid. We'll pick them back up once we can recrawl them with useful content. There's no outage reputation loss. We understand things sometimes go poof and can come back too. <laughs> this is a fun little threat. I know. I like Lots it. of joy. Yeah. Useful too. Not to undermine mm-hmm. that, but very cutesy and happy. And I feel like everyone needs just a little bit of stress relief right now. So this is a way that if this was to happen to you, you would be able to avoid some panic and some stress mm-hmm. and be able to to figure out the right solution to the problem. Yeah. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts, paid, organic, and social. This week in the paid news, we don't have too much, but we have been graced by Andrew Hutch Hutchinson at <laughs> AD Hutchinson on Twitter. <laughs> And speaking I of haven't Twitter, made the Clockscore Awards yet. I have to send him a Clockscore Award. I have sent Ginny one now, oh, too. I gotta no. send, I, I have to cut him out. and I put, They're actually like Clockscore Awards. And yeah. I'm going to have to like message him and be like, Andrew, we've got a Clockscore Award coming for you. 
Uh, and please he, keep all the news more coming. Than earned. He's more earned. our show alive. He's, he's going to be like, who are you? Leave me alone. <laughs> C&D. And here's what. <laughs> Do you have him in organic? Because he's in every season. The main news, the social, the paid this week. All right. Sorry. Yeah. He's what, like underdog. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. All right. What does he got this week? Well, I was going to say, and speaking of Twitter, because I mentioned his Twitter handle. <laughs> the transition just <laughs> But it's okay. It's just funny. letting you guys see the inner workings of my mind. Um, the Blue Bird made an announcement via at Twitter Business on new settings for promoted tweets. And from the tweet, we're making it easier for brands to control the conversations they start on Twitter. Introducing conversation settings for ads. Basically the same reply controls for regular tweets that were released in August have now been extended to promoted tweets to help you cross that bridge without fighting any trolls. (laughs) (laughs) So now when you go to the Twitter ads and like earn the creation flow, you can limit replies to everyone, which is the default. So it's not really limiting Um, people you follow or only people you mention. So yeah, this is just a great way. I'm sure people who manage social media for companies are just going to rejoice because I remember like working when I worked in-house, our social media manager was just like, can you do something about all of these comments on the Facebook ads? (laughs) (laughs) So I like, I'm sure there'll be many social media managers that are like, great, just like turn those replies off so I don't have to deal with this. But counterpoint to that, maybe don't if you have a good product a good tweet, something people love, and you've got social proof. So if you're running something on Twitter and you're seeing all these responses and replies and quote tweets and it's good, like don't do this, just make your job easier. Right. You having a good product made your job easier. Yeah. yeah. And no, you and should exactly. know that by now because this is new. So. And it all depends on what the nature of the campaign you're promoting is too. Like maybe if you're doing a demo of your product, you don't want people replying to it, but maybe it's like a blog post. Like that's something that you definitely want a lot of replies to. And Jess, guess what? What, Mark? Andrew Hutchinson is my BFF. No! Now. Do you have another one? I have another one. Oh, guys, I gotta send him an award. Snapchat has joined the likes of LinkedIn advertising by providing advertisers with resources to actually handle the iOS 14 changes instead of taking out a full page print ad. Wait, why do work? You could just put an ad out in the New York Times. (laughs) And just shut down your support. Um, Snapchat is expected actually they're the most major um, expectation of hurting from this iOS change like compared to Facebook they're like kind of number two of who's going to be hurt the most by this and they are kind of swallowing that pill and they're openly embracing it and they publicly stated that they think increased privacy is a good thing and they are all about it. So they are releasing a new iOS 14 resource hub that will include answers to common questions and have documentation on notable process changes within Snapchat um, in the areas of Snapchat and iOS 14 in general, mobile app advertising, app store data disclosure requirements, mobile web advertising, and the SCAD network support, which is Apple's API for tracking 
ad-driven app installs. The biggest changes that Snapchat um, has announced is that um, you're going to lose out on um, being able to use a mobile measurement partner for user-level reporting for anyone who opts out. And there will be a removal of the 28-day um, attribution window as well as hourly attribution. So the lowest attribution threshold will be one day. Um, and in addition to that resource center, they also hosted a webinar yesterday uh, on March 11th, how to prepare for Apple's iOS 14 changes, web and app advertising on Snapchat. So if you missed it, they have an on-demand recording available. Wait, hey, I don't remember there being another paid story. It must have been auto-added. <laughs> from Brett Badofsky at Brett Badofsky on Twitter. I've seen the auto-applied recommendations control center, but this is new to me. It looks like the beta lets you enable some of the same features directly in the at Google Ads UI. Not saying I'll use any of this, but it's good to know it exists. And that is how I feel about a lot of a new lot of Google things. features. <laughs> it's like, thank you, but no Thanks, thank but you. No <laughs> like the recommendation score. <laughs> but yeah, it's cool. He shows a screenshot of the interface and there's like the budget and budget, the bidding and budget section where you can select all the different um, bid recommendations and see if you auto apply them. Um, I would not select any of them. And there's also keywords and targeting and ad settings that you can select which recommendations you would auto apply. Um, the only recommendation I would auto apply is to not auto apply any recommendations. That's on there? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. It's hidden. You have to click through 20 pages to find it. <laughs> Well, I guess we're going to dismiss that and move on to organic. All right. And first up, by way of Barry Schwartz of Search Engine Roundtable, you can now see device and platform breakdown in your Google My Business Performance Reports. Technically, it is called People Who Viewed Your Business Profile section, it is, and it's going to be on the left in your Insights tab. And it gives you a breakdown of who found you via Google Search, Google Maps, and then by desktop device or mobile device. So you can see exactly where they came from and Barry screenshotted it from his Google My Business account, which never fails to crack me up when I look at it because the top searches that sent traffic to, to Barry's website was Rusty Brick, Rusty Sp Space Brick. I'm gonna leave the third one because it's that's the funny part. Fourth is Rusty <laughs> Brick Inc. And then fifth is his address, 250 West Nyack, well, New York. <laughs> he put it out there, so I can him. say it. He's <laughs> it's his business address. But the third one of how people found him is just the term Google. And it, like that's amazing. It, I, every time I see it, I love it. It makes me so happy because that's like him. And again, check out that Azim Digital Ass episode with Barry Schwartz where he talks about putting his laptop right by his bed at night. Um, it's amazing. And if anybody deserves to rank for Google, it is Barry. I'm surprised he's not liaison of something yet after everything else that's happened with everybody at <laughs> third door. Anyway, um, pretty cool. I would like to see Christine Zernheld and the Google Ads um, complete guide rank for Google. That would be very nice. <laughs> yeah, talk to Barry about this. Maybe he'll <laughs> 301 and on and over. 
All right, next up, there are five new upgrades to the search results over at Microsoft Bing. And the new features include an intuitive highlighting of content, and the example shown was on recipes. So there's an ingredient list that pulls out right within the SERPs, calories per serving, user reviews, a drop-down menu uh, for scaling to servings, nutritional information, but you still have to click through to get the full listing. But it kind of gives you a little bit of a hint there, hence the intuitive part of it. And that is just um, one example, but I do think they're cooking up something good with this. <laughs> and it may roll out to other things like home improvement or creative projects down the road. Next up in the second element from Microsoft is integrated visual search. And while you're browsing through the card-based results, users will be able to instantly conduct a visual search to find a similar-looking item. Hmm. And you can do this by hitting a button that looks like a mirror-flipped logo of Instagram. It does. If you're looking on YouTube right now, you'll be oh. able to see this. It looks like an Instagram icon. They copied the copiers. So uh, you can hit this weird fake Instagram button and it'll find other <laughs> images like this, sort of like a tin eye or something like that, like a reverse image search, which is cool. That is really cool. They just need a better little icon. Yeah. Well, hey, if it works, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? I mean, just get a good lawyer. They, I, I mean, really, though, they should have just put the TikTok logo because that's what Instagram does. <laughs> All right, and then expandable carousels are being upgraded, so additional information will show when a user hovers over the result. One of the things that is my favorite, the fourth element of this, is that there's infographic-like SERPs. And I'm like, this is total hyperbole, that you think you can make an infographic in the search results page. Go to Bing, type in giraffe, <laughs> and look what you see. It is on the side, a beautiful illustration of a giraffe. I did some other things. It pokes its head out of the top of it. It is so cool. It's really nice. I totally mm -hmm. dig it. And to me, this is like, when you look at this result, you're like, this is more than just a search result. And it's more than just a knowledge panel. It's like, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And you love giraffes. I did. I mean, you got to watch out. They get those. And it's not actually hair. It's cartilage. The person that told me it was hair was lying. Just for record. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I forget what the, the, the nubs. entire giraffe the nubs. isn't made of hair. <laughs> well, no, the, the person's like, it's tightly intertwined hair. No, it's cartilage. I'm like, no. I looked it up and I'm like, I, I don't I, want to give people bad information. referring to scary spice. Yeah. Well. <laughs> All right. And then next up, the last element that is being added are richer results for local queries. So if you're doing something that is like things to do in Seattle or Eiffel Tower, there's going to be a search engine results page with aggregated information from multiple sources, and you'll be able to expand on that. So all awesome stuff from Microsoft Bing. All right, next up, you may see some short videos showing in your Google search results pages. And this also comes from Barry Schwartz over at Search Engine Roundtable. And spotted in this short video section, it's, sort of, it's a carousel, a swipeable carousel. You can see TikTok and Instagram videos as well as Facebook videos as included. I didn't actually find one that had YouTube videos, which is surprising. Maybe because mm -hmm. nobody uses YouTube shorts. <laughs> they couldn't push it if they wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, cool to see that they're bringing in more of that content, even though I could care less about short content. I think the future is what they do when they cut all those videos up and send you directly to a point. I want the long video, not the short video. 
And then I again to do this, the example was the Olympics. So if you want to see it in action, go on your phone, type in Olympics. And the first thing that came up for me was the 2020 games and the date of its time when it happens, which was like June 2021. Can we just call it the 2021 games? Yeah. I, I it's not like 2020 that. games. Kids in like 20 years are going to look back and be like, wait, this is wrong. Like, you missed it. We missed a year. You missed a year. Mm. No big deal. Take this opportunity to be unique and stand out. Be an no. odd number. And no. I hate odd numbers. Unless, did did the people that, that made it in 2020 get grandfathered in? Is that why? It's just that the 2020 games are delayed until 2021. Games. I, I don't. Because like a lot of events have done that instead of like canceling. It's just like postponed, so they don't have to like give back any deposits. Oh, mm. I'm well aware of that. So and that's if they call the 2021 games, they'd have to give back everything. Mm. Okay. Well, and lastly, here we have from Dylum Tayari over at Tayari CS on Twitter. Twitch has added automatic brand safety score, which grades how brand friendly every streamer is based on things like chat behavior, band history, manual ratings by Twitch staff, games played, age, auto mod, and more. And check out the um, tweet thread if you want to see that full detail. Um, pretty cool. All right, bud, what's happening in social? All right, first up in social, what would be main news if only if it were rolling out wide, but it is not. Twitter is testing a new undo option for tweets, and you heard that right, but remember it is just a test. Discovered by Jane Manchin Wong, who discovers everything, she's amazing. It appears to be sort of like a reverse progress bar that counts down five seconds after you send your tweet, giving you the option to Why undo. Why even test it? I Right? You know, like is there any there. psycho out there that's like, oh, I made a mistake, yeah. I don't want to use this. <laughs> right? Well, you gotta test everything, because heaven forbid they release Not this. It. I know, I know. Mm-hmm. The, my gripe with this though is that it's very clearly an edit feature they just refuse to call it that because they've been saying you're never going to get one um no my issue more is that it's only five seconds because it's usually like three minutes by the time i realize there's a typo on my tweet so a few months ago we talked about the new community management certification course to help facebook group admins build their skills and grow their communities which was awesome but it was originally released only in english so now as of this month the program will be also available in arabic french german indonesian portuguese spanish and thai so we muy bueno love to see it and tiktok cares about small businesses and didn't have to take out an ad in the New York Times to prove it. The platform announced its first ever Ready, Set, Grow Summit for small and medium businesses. And it's coming up real soon here on March 24th. And they're touting it as an ongoing day of unlocking TikTok's magic and dispelling TikTok myths. So that's fun. Puke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a trip to Middle Earth, but it is free. So if you are thinking about getting your brand on TikTok this year, probably check it out. It costs you nothing. And if you hate it, you can leave. So for those that are already on TikTok, you'll be happy to know that their Q&A feature is being rolled out to all creator accounts now. So you do have to turn it on. It's not just going to automatically be there, but just pop into your settings and, and do that if it's of interest to you. Next up, by way of a tweet from Crystal Quenta, it's at Crystal Quenta on Twitter. 
Twitter will remove support for some timeline embeds on websites in June. And the platform is retiring likes, collections, and moments embeddable timelines as of June 23rd. This is according to, of course, Andrew Hutchinson from Social Media Today. And according to Twitter, the reason that these are being retired is just due to low usage. So hopefully none of our listeners are too sad or crying too hard about that. Keeping the news via tweets rolling from 2019 BFF of the show, Glenn Gabe, and I quote, Short videos everywhere. Happy face, which he like did manually versus an emoji, which I love. That was not part of the quote. Getting back to his tweet. Facebook is doubling down on reels. Facebook is testing a new opt-in feature for select users in India that will promote their Instagram reels on Facebook. End quote. I just want to know what Facebook is doing. Like Instagram and Facebook are not the same. Exactly. Stop doing this. People on Facebook probably don't want to see reels my mom doesn't want to watch me throw cheese nobody wants to see reels true but especially facebook users right it's an instagram feature keep it there facebook's for adults we don't need reels we don't we don't need facebook we don't even need any of it let's get rid of it all what's next his younger cousin (laughs) was doing a project for school and needed to like get a Facebook or something and was like asking him how Facebook worked. Aww. Yeah, Poorly. Kids don't use Facebook. <laughs> Poorly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's stick with the uh, ad platform that nobody loves. Facebook is expanding that see fewer ads about social issues, elections and politics feature to more than 90 additional countries. So to be clear, this feature does not remove the ads entirely. It just limits the amount that a oh, user perfect. sees. Yeah. Just let it removed. I have nothing to say about that. Get rid of it. It'd be nice if we could take that filter and just put it on people, too. Yes. Get rid of everybody. Yes. And the reels. Anything. It'd be nice if nobody Instagram. was on Facebook. I know. They need to get off there. <laughs> Whatever. I guess it's nice to have control. And something that got a little out of control this week was a test that Instagram did where they were removing like counts. They're not removing them, That's but they went private. We were removing them, then we're adding them back, and now yes. it's back on removing. And now we're back on removing, and it hit a lot more people than it was supposed to, which is what the drama is. But do you care? Because I don't. Mm-hmm. We can move on. Yeah. No, I just want them to make sure that the next test is adding back. Well, people may have the option. And then they can choose what they want to do. I really don't care, Greg. I'm, I'm you're, asking, con- you're asking hard questions. I'm just confused and I don't like it. Perfect. Do you know what you might like? Somebody is using your name. Checkmark is the new social media platform in town, but they spell it with a C. Which is wrong. They spell Mark with a C and they spell check without a C. It's C-H-E-K. So they're doing everything wrong. Were they trying to spell this with alphabet soup? I'm not really sure. I had minestrone soup for lunch today, though. It was delicious. Oh, there I had were lunch no letters soup. in there. Did you, have, did you get your recipe from Blunt? No. <laughs> How many microwaves did you use? <laughs> Two microwaves, one brick at a time. Oh, man. Well, kids, I don't know if you care about this one either. It's a social platform built for good. Checkmark. Essentially, folks can ask questions and they can give answers, but you're very limited in how many questions you can ask and how many answers you can post and how many answers you can get on your questions. It's a whole thing, but they have nice motivation. They're just trying to connect humans. So that's nice. I guess we'll check back later. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? <laughs> Just get rid of it. I'm over it. Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about our trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. I'm sure a lot of you saw the tweet, but one big brand made a major social media misstep on International Women's Day. Burger King infamously tweeted, 
women belong in the kitchen, which not a good thing to tweet, especially on International Women's Day with the most one of the most like stereotypical insults, misogynistic that you can say. And the point of it, though, they had good intentions was to promote their scholarship to help women who work at Burger King to pursue their passions within the restaurant industry, um, citing the statistic that only 24% of head chef positions are held by women. So it's very well to do, but I think Adweek said it best in this article. Um, Burger King gets grilled for women belong in the kitchen tweet supporting female chefs. Without context, International's Women's Day print ad headline sparks backlash. Um, and I think this person said exactly what I'm thinking. Like, Lucien Blue um, with two E's, um, not Burger King using misogyny clickbait on International Women's Day. And that really is the problem. It's like, not only is this clickbait, it's misogynistic clickbait on a day that's supposed to be celebrating women. And I think it's really just a problem of not understanding like multimedia marketing because this was designed for a print campaign. Like the ad agency who did this designed it for print where the headline was supposed to be eye-catching and then below it they explained what they meant. And that actually was very well received as a print ad and that's because you are immediately explaining it. Right. But yeah. Why didn't they do that here? Well, that's they the have thing. so it's many like, more characters. They did it as a they did it as a thread as where a they reply. did like the oh, reply so no. the reply was explaining the scholarship and everything, but it's like do you not know how Twitter works? Everyone's just like quote tweeting that and retweeting it and replying without reading the response it's like you need to have all of the meat in the first tweet oh i didn't mean for that to rhyme (laughs) and i did not mean for it to be meat and burger king but everything works out for us not for burger king Mm. um but it's just like think about how the platform works and how people behave on the platform and how it's going to be perceived before you tweet it yeah and i think they deserved to get Fresh grilled and frame. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think they deserve to get fresh grilled and flame broiled about this one here because to that point, yeah, all they did is put the attention in the A-I-D-A standpoint. Like, put it all together and it makes Mm -hmm. sense. And I get that they're trying to get attention to a problem, which is a, a, a legit problem, they're just doing it in a way that undermines everything they're doing. It doesn't make any sense to, yeah. to go that route. Just hit enter twice and say the rest of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has to be. Or say we, we want to keep them there or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would get rid of the whole thing altogether if it were me. So I'm not like advocating for this, but it's there could be something. The worst possible execution. Oh, yeah. The worst possible. Yeah. All right. Now to our segment segments here today. We have an NFT NFW, which you'll have to Google the NFW. It's no something way here. But (laughs) from The Verge, Jack Dorsey is selling his first tweet, which hot take stinks. His first tweet is just setting up my TWTTR because that's what the domain was back in the day. And anybody have any idea how much it sold for? 
Oh, I saw it. I Top bid, $2.5 million. Get lost. Hey, anybody can see it. It's so stupid. I don't get NFTs. I buy them and just sell them. But I, don't, I don't get it. And that's a terrible tweet. I get the historical relevance. <laughs> but yeah. imagine looking at that dumb tweet every day of your life. And I wouldn't. <laughs> but like, why? Like, I you could just if you wanted, you could just take a screenshot of it and print it and. No, frame Mark, it. you like, would. You don't have the ownership of it. <laughs> so Even though he still owns it. You're gonna print it's it. So it's so. Uh, so I was like, I, would I buy any tweet? And I'm like, you know what? I probably would pay if I could get the NFT of this tweet. I probably would pay up to a thousand dollars for this tweet, which is ridiculous. I know it, but this is how much joy this tweet brings me whenever I need to pick me up, and it's from. Went on Twitter at D R I L and the tweet reads Food $200. Data $150. Rent $800. Candles $3,600. Utility $150. Someone who is good at the economy, please help me budget this. Period. My family is dying. <laughs> and then the best part I would even buy this follow up tweet too probably somebody named Craigus and this this is probably eight years ago now right? let me pull this up here somebody named Craigus to him said at drill spend less on candles and <laughs> Wint responded simply at Craigus no <laughs> <laughs> I just remember anytime I need a laugh, oh I look at this tweet. It oh. is my favorite tweet ever, and I would totally NFT buy that tweet. I forgot about this. Mm-hmm. Thank you. For I can't it wait back. until we do a tweet draft. Oh, I'll fight <laughs> you for this one. Bye. <laughs> And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. So this week I don't have a very tactical um, item, but something that really came in handy was that we had a client where pretty much like everyone who we were working with changed. And to give context on what we had been doing, um, we already had metrics handy that were comparing everything we had done since we had taken over to the account um, to everything that had happened before we had taken it over and very clear benchmarks showing the delta between our costs at different stages in the sales cycle and the actual return we were driving um, so that we could immediately show kind of the value we've added to their company to these people who haven't really been involved in the relationship previously. So I just recommend to like always have that ready because I think it took us like, I don't just a few minutes to update it, 15 it to the minutes current max. day. And just having those benchmarks handy, we bring them up in check-ins all the time just to show like how we're doing and like the value that we're adding. Um, Because I think too often we're pacing against our own goals and not like reminding our clients like the actual value that we add to the relationship and like how successful we've been working together. So have those benchmarks handy. Jess. I'll put our drama aside for now. <laughs> Thanks, What's Mark. going on with you? <laughs> so no drama here. I just wanted to talk about the importance of collaboration. Because I feel like at Cypress North, it's a big part of our culture. We all work very closely together. But 
I feel like a lot of times our clients aren't that way with their own teams. So we have one client in particular that's a huge global company and they have different divisions and they have different contracts with us and they're working with different account managers here. And it doesn't always feel like necessarily anyone, at least that we're working with, has the bigger picture and sees both sides of that. But on our internal side, we do because we work very closely together, even on separate accounts, just bouncing ideas. And Sarah on our team and I, we share an office and we just had a great conversation, sat down, we took an hour last week and collaborated and just talked through a problem that we were seeing on both sides with both divisions and how could we use some of that bigger picture knowledge to solve the problem. So it's hard to really explain without giving away too much information, but just talk to your team. I feel like there's a lot of times people have contacts that you don't and you can solve bigger problems and offer that value to your clients where maybe they don't have it internally because of politics or just separation or communication issues or, or whatnot. So talk to your friends and cool. your coworkers. And for me, something not working is trying to edit audiences in Google Ads. Anytime I have to go in and edit an audience in the web editor, I I just get dread. It's like you're on American Gladiators and you're combating to get in there and edit the audiences. And if you need to do so, you don't see the audience and click on the edit button next to it. That's just going to change the name of the audience. You don't hit the radio button on the left and then hit the edit button because that won't do anything at all. You don't click on through to the audience and try to edit when you're looking at the audience. You hover over the audience that you want to edit and then you hit the edit button. And every time, if it's if I like have a seven day span, I forget that. So I'm mainly just saying this so I can then bookmark the YouTube link to this next time I want to edit an audience and not get just totally blown away by Turbo. And now for this week's cool tool. As a reminder, our cool tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's cool tool is another one that's more of a wow, how? It's an article from Social Media Examiner, Customer Lifetime Value, How to Calculate LTV for Facebook and Instagram. Wow, and, how? Right, exactly. I had to come up with something that rhymed. <laughs> so it starts with the very basics, what lifetime value is and how you can use it to make smarter decisions with your social ad budget. And then the article outlines three different ways you can calculate lifetime value using Facebook's own reporting tools, manual calculations, as well as some free online tools. It's really, really handy for assessing long-term ROI of your social campaigns. So if you're not already doing this, you can grab the link from our newsletter and check it out. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. This week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from PPC Kirk at PPC Kirk on Twitter. And he has a fantastic article kind of more of a thinking piece, just like his book, Ponderings of a PPC Professional, out on Amazon now and a strong recommend. Uh, And the name of the article is The Magic Wheel of PPC Automation Optimization. And I'm just going to read the starting point because I think it lays out what you're going to get when you read it really well. He says, with the increase in automation offered by Google Ads and Microsoft Ads, whether advertiser appreciated or not, one would be wise to not simply accept automation and utilize it but to optimize it as well. Wait, how does one optimize automation? And he goes through, breaks it down, gives clear examples as to benefits of humans with automation, where to look for it, the steps, he's got a great process in there. And another thing that 
was a one-liner that I really loved from the article was where he said, automated automation doesn't take away your job. It changes your job. And this is a very well thought out piece for anybody looking to get better, especially with automation. And if you haven't used automation, I think this is something that will really warm you up to the thought, at least to test it. So thank you, Kirk. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from this show on marketingoclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's Shooting the Hack, where after our famous Friday news show, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the hack. And this week we're playing everybody's favorite game, a draft, where we get to choose four different items. And this is a, and I held up three fingers, but four different items. (laughs) And we are going to do a snake draft, a serpentine draft. So whoever starts first goes, it goes all the way one, two, three, four. And whoever gets four gets five and it goes back to that first. So. We are going to start, and Caleb, you are newest here, so you can get the first pick or the fourth and fifth pick. What would you like? I'll take first pick. Okay, Caleb, you have the first pick. First of your four fruits is what? Grapes. Okay, and are we going just grapes, or are we going a variation? I'm... Listen to your heart. So you're not you're like Listen, a muscadine. Yeah. You're when not like a mus- muscadine you. grape? Yeah, I think I'm just going <laughs> to okay, say just grapes in general. There's Good a lot pick. Solid, because you can turn it to wine. Exactly. There's a bunch of exactly. grapes. Mm-hmm. But wine from. isn't solid. But he has. But he, he can you turn it in. Solid. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about flexibility. Are we doing right? a fruit draft? Did we tell the people it's a fruit draft? It's a fr- oh, it's a fruit draft. <laughs> it's a fruit draft. That is a very strong pick. Okay. This isn't a sports draft. So we'll go around. Mark, you're next. Oh, I'm going to say blackberries. I love blackberries, mm. and I love putting them in wine. Wow. Mm. I think it's a little bit of a reach. Blackberry, second pick? Yeah, phones aren't fruit. Uh, wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm changing my answer. I know, Greg, you want us to pick specific variants, so I'm going to pick the blackberry curve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get a heritage or something good. Okay. All right, so I'm going to go with I'm going to take Kayla's route because I think he knows how to play a draft. So I'm going to pick it up early, even though I know you don't know how to play Jess. I'm going to go with an apple. And if I have to be specific, I'll go Empire Apple. But Apple. You don't have to be specific. Empire is not okay. the Apple. Or Honeycrisp, whatever. All right. So I'm with an apple because I can make pie. I can eat it right off the tree. I can turn it yep. into cider and I can turn it into hard cider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have to get that before you did because I think you might try to get it for the hard cider. It was not even on my list. None of the oh, things. Of course. Of course. What did you have on there? And there's like a few bad apples. <laughs> <laughs> Is it my turn? Yes. Um, And I get two because it's Correct. snake draft. Snake okay. serpentine draft. I want peaches. I love peaches. You would. I love peaches so much. You are Give me Georgia peaches. Peach. Thank you. <laughs> you love the Lewiston Peach Festival. It's not even that. I mean, I do. But um, peaches. And um, if we're going to make like a sangria or something, blueberries and peaches. That's what your blueberries are for? Sangria? Well, I'll also just eat them. They just 
Okay. They're, blueberries they're are good. Good, good antioxidants. But like blueberries and peaches together in a beverage, done. Okay. Well, then coming back to me, I'm going to go with strawberries. I love a good strawberry. You can turn it into jam. Lots, of, and I would argue that off the off, right, picked fresh, a strawberry. Just eating it is one of the best mm. things in the yeah. world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, Mark. I'm gonna say watermelon. It is delicious. <laughs> it is juicy. I love using it for cocktails. It's very versatile. It is. It's not the, versatile. The sure, oh, you can't I make a watermelon it. pie. Try. Watch me. (laughs) (laughs) But you can make a watermelon margarita, which is pretty damn good. And it is the fruit of summer. There is nothing as refreshing as a slice of watermelon. And they're humongous. All right. Caleb, you're up. Uh, I'm going to go for grapefruit, without a doubt. Because breakfast item, juice it. You can eat it as a snack. It works in a lot of different contexts. Wow. All right. No argument on that. You get another one, right? Oh, right. So it's on you. So you currently have grapes and you have grapefruit. <laughs> Is there any other grape-related fruit that you can get? <laughs> grape seed. No, no. Um, I'm going to say banana easily. Okay. Cavendish? Yeah. Get out of here with your Cavendish banana. <laughs> okay. That's, that's my crypto, strong, you know. That's my that, favorite country. That's a strong three. Banana you get. Republic. <laughs> All right, Mark. <laughs> what is your third pick here? Um, I I think I'm gonna pick um snozberries. <laughs> <laughs> They're a, a fun fruit um from Willy Wonka, and they they taste like snozberries. All right, that's that's your pick. You got it. All right. Well, I'm still surprised that this fruit is still here for my third pick. I thought it was an early one or two rounder, and I'm going with. The tomato. One uh, of the most well-rounded oh, fruits. Man. You can use it in sauce. Uh, you can use it on pizza. See, you can eat it straight. Amazing fruit. I wanted that to act- say tomato so badly, but I didn't. I, I was going to get killed on technicality. <laughs> no. No. no, no you would have. <laughs> you would have been killed on technicality if it was a vegetable draft, but yeah. it's a fruit. It's and a fruit. I actually did have that on my list. I just didn't think anyone else would pick it. Oh, yeah. And I actually did eat it like an apple once as a child. I just ate a tomato like an apple. I mean, you yeah. can so do right. that you with the right season. Like if what? you get like a good August tomato. Bring your sure margaritas over to my house for pasta later. All right, Jess, what's your third pick? <laughs> My third pick, um, I want wild berry, whatever they put in the Pop Tarts. <laughs> I think that's a favorite. I think that's like some of your blueberries, some of Mark's blackberries. I want it. All right. And then your final pick. Oh, I get another one. Um, ooh, and my, it's clementines versus cherries. I got to go clementines. You peel them, eat them, they're cuties. Clementines. Wow. Oh, my darling. Wow. Okay. Well, I didn't think that cherries would still be on the board, but I'm not going to go with them because I don't like sweet cherries. And if we have to go the whole bracket, I only like rainy cherries. So I'm going to go with nectarine. Is that different than a clementine? Nectarine is a phenomenal fruit. It is peach-like. It's in the peach family, but it's classified differently. Mm. And so if you get a nectarine... Like a, a sun glow or something like that. Phenomenal. And it doesn't have the fuzz like your first pick. I like the fuzz. Not me. I don't want the fuzz in my fruit. Like, go, go lick a kiwi or something then. Ew, not that much fuzz. <laughs> Peach fuzz. <laughs> oh, God. Mark, your turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about cherries because I love a Luxardo cherry in my Manhattan. Of course. And But I'm thinking what I'm really missing to balance out my fruit draft 
is I, I like I've got like a berry, I've got a nice fun fruit, I've got an imaginary fruit. <laughs> um, blue raspberry is my second choice. Mm. Um, but what I'm missing is a very portable fruit. Um, so I'm in between two. I'm in between a pear and an orange. And I think I'm going to go with an orange because... Far more portable than a pear. It's in a container. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Caleb, your last pick, your fourth fruit here. All right, I'm going to go with lemons. Easy. Who are you? Great pick. Lemonade? Uh, versatile. You can put it in a pie. You can make creams out of I'm it. I'm with him. Lemonade. You can put it on Lemon your Lemon is a fantastic You're flavor. You're a real citrus guy. Oh, you need oh, yeah. it. Absolutely. Okay. I can tell. Okay. But yeah, eating seafood without lemon is, is different. Yeah. Like lemon's important. It's tragic. All right. So, Caleb, what are your four fruits? Uh, I think I went old brother. I had grapefruit. Grapes? <laughs> grapefruit. Grapes, grapefruit. Banana? Banana. Banana. Banana and lemon. Lemon. So it either huh. they have grape in there or be a, a yellow fruit. All right. And Mark, how about you? Your four fruits. I had blackberries, watermelon. Snozberries and oranges. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> I like how the, Me? That, that's like how the way you classified it. You like went through all, everything at the very end, but it's like you put snozberries in there. All right, so I've got an apple. I've got strawberries, a tomato, and nectarines. Jess? I have peaches, blueberries, wild berry, and clementines. All right. And so anybody can respond uh, over to Twitter and uh, just mention... Um, who won that was the name of Greg? And we will see you next week. I forgot about Loganberry. I was <laughs>